This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Raptors, 106 to 100, defeating the Atlanta Hawks. They're now 25 and 23 on the season. A quality win against the Hawks, who were without Trey Young. So there was obviously a point of emphasis for the Raptors that they could take some things away from the Hawks that they typically have without even having to do anything, just by proxy of Trey missing. And the Hawks responded by giving more ball handling opportunities and responsibility to the likes of Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. And that actually went pretty damn well for them. 26 for Herter on 12 shots, 9 for 12 from the field in this game. Pretty nutty, 5 for 6 from downtown. Bogdanovich, 7 of 16, obviously not the same thing, but he gave you 18, 5, and 4. And then DeAndre Hunter being the guy who the Raptors were were rotating back to a lot of the times because the breakdowns were coming elsewhere and just doing a fantastic job of kind of splitting into the middle of the Raptors defense, hitting some jumpers and allowing for that release valve. But the Raptors hold them to 100 at the end of things, score 106 themselves, largely behind the offensive stylings of Gary Trent Jr. and Pascal Siakam. Gary Trent Jr. with, I think, my favorite adjustment-based game that he's had all year. His first half, tons and tons of stuff off the dribble. He finishes three for 11 shooting in that half. And I think he was three for four to open things up. He's just hitting a lot. And at the end of this game, he's 10 for 22 from the field, nine of 15 from three. And the adjustment came. He went seven for 11, I believe, in the second half from the floor. And the coolest thing about that was that he stopped trying to do as much stuff off the dribble started being a little bit more active in the Raptors' set actions and also was mirroring post-ups and drives really well to put himself in a position where he could catch and shoot. And that paid huge dividends in this game because 9 of 15 is like a great, great number from downtown, and he did a lot of damage, basically all of his damage in the second half from catch-and-shoot triples. So it was awesome, awesome, awesome to see him make that adjustment. Of course, he did try a couple things that were pretty adventurous off the bounce in that second half. The one, just a really nice, like, I think it was with two minutes left, a really great snatchback dribble into a pull-up three. And I got to tell you, snatchbacks into pull-up threes, yeah, with a minute 30 left, they were up 98-97. 
Trent, you know, kind of a screening play somewhat. They they went under. They were trying to hedge, so he snatched it back to his right, hit a triple. Big shot. Well done. And uh, he also had a pull-up from, I don't know, like 28 feet uh, to end the third quarter, which was his fifth triple of that quarter. The other four were all catch and shoot. And quite a, there was like a hammer action they ran. Then the rest was him mirroring. Well, they actually ran like a staggered set for him to come up towards the middle, um, similar to a pin down, if you know what a pin down is, coming up towards the ball. And uh, just, yeah, hell yeah. Really, really great movement from him and even better shooting. So to see him do that and then mix in just a, a little smidge of off-the-bounce stuff was super awesome because he did start the game out 3 for 11. And yeah, it was with Pascal out to start the game because Pascal, ever the victim of like a terrible, terrible whistle. John Collins, he got the charge when John Collins had both of his feet in the charge circle. <laughs> and then he got a pretty ticky-tack call on the other side of things. So they took him out early. And with Fred finishing at 6 of 20 in this game, OG finishing at 6 of 13, but he's not really... OG in this game wasn't giving you a bunch of creation. That's just not the way it broke out. So Gary was left to his own devices to try and create a lot off the dribble. That didn't go so well in the first half, but with Pascal re-entering back into the game, a better-looking offense, especially in that third quarter, I think they scored 32. In fact, they outscored the Hawks by 17 in the third quarter. Uh, we saw Gary just able to kind of shift back into ultra shooter mode. You see the shades of like when he started popping off in the league, it was playing around the heliocentric force of Damian Lillard and getting open and shooting really well from downtown and then being stingy on defense. And then also CJ McCollum kind of factoring in as well. That was that was really great to see because I've been waiting, you know, with these big shooting games that he's had. I have been kind of sitting on my hands like the mid-range jumpers are great. You can, if you listen to the Raptors weekly podcast I did with Blake Murphy, we talk about it and we say like um, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Seth Curry are the only guys who shoot as much from the long mid-range as Gary and shoot as good as him. So he's in super elite class there, but it's still, it's not the best shot in basketball. You love it as a counter. It's really nice that he can get to it at the end of the shot clock. But a game like this, where you see him transition his play style, immediately reap the rewards, and you say, right, the possessions where he's handling and getting to like 18 feet and putting up shots, those aren't the best way to optimize this dude. Of course, he still has the freedom to do that. But to see him go off in that third quarter, largely because he was getting open and they were leaning on his shooting as an open guy, that was awesome. I loved that. Four straight games with 30 points, I believe. And so that is uh, that's the first guy to do it. You probably, if you watched the game, you heard it on the broadcast a few times, but first guy to do that since Kawhi Leonard and fifth person in Raptors history to do it. I don't know the other three. Well, I guess DeMar would be one for sure. And then you're probably looking at Vince as well. I, I don't know who the other one would be. That's an interesting one. But anyway, back to the start of the game. Pascal on the wrong side of a couple really tough whistles. He leaves early. The Raptors offense looks pretty shaky afterwards. And it's because, well, hey, you know, we're not getting to the rim a ton here. And Pascal Siakam, even with Gary having just such a great game and just really putting on a show as far as jump shooting, like, hell yeah, Gary, good for you. Um, they didn't have any rim pressure whatsoever. They had some hit aheads early in the game. 
where Scotty and OG were actually beating, uh, they were beating them down the floor, like the likes of Capella, Collins, and those guys, and getting into a really um, solid positioning. But the thing about that is you can hustle and get into plays, and that's great if the other team isn't going to keep up. But that isn't the type of you know steady creation that you typically see in a half court or anything like that. And so those types of looks, as great as they were, um, they can come and go pretty rapidly if uh, <laughs> if the other team feels inclined to actually run back on defense, right? That's that's a pretty important factor. And when you look at this game and the numbers of it, and you say, wow, the Raptors only got to the rim 23% of the time, and they took and 20% of their shots in this game came from the long mid-range, 40% from mid-range, uh, and like, you know, 23 or sorry, 32% above the break threes, that shot diet is not something that typically allows for the Raptors to be a healthy uh, functioning offense. And they really weren't in this game. It was a lot of work being done largely by Gary as a shooter and play finisher, especially in the second half. What a, what a performance. And then Pascal, who, you know, I, what did he finish with in this game? I think, yeah, 25 points, six boards, four assists, two steals, two blocks. And Pascal was quite, he was the lone rim pressure guy for the Raptors. And that has been the case for, you know, some time. OG can do it depending on how deep he gets the ball and how the defense kind of wants to play him as far as rotating over, doubling, all that kind of stuff. But Pascal has been doubled on more than 30% of his possessions this season. And the fact that he's still able to get downhill that much against these types of tuned-into-him defenses really speaks to the pacing and the ability to kind of change up speeds, adapt, go from facing up to backing down, and handle what teams are throwing at him in this game it was still really, really impressive. The Hawks were packing in. That's why a shooter as good as Gary Trent Jr., a shooter as good as OG Ananobi, and a shooter as good as Fred Van Vliet, we get, you know, 33s from the three of them. An average, you know, Gary took 15, Fred took 10, OG took five. But you're looking at, these are good shooters that were left open, and it was because the Hawks did want to prioritize stopping Pascal before they did anything else. And they really did a great job packing the paint. Pascal shot making down there. It was pretty, pretty contested space. And I thought, yeah, he just did a fantastic job maneuvering. And so as far as the shot making, on the one hand, you know, Pascal really, really brought it as a guy taking it to the bucket. And Gary on the other side of things really, really brought it as a shooter. And you look at these guys, man, they come together, they combine for 56 points. And especially when you take into account that Pascal's defense was once again tremendous. The fact that, and Scotty Barnes, actually. I, I, would, I would definitely, Scotty and Pascal played a lot of the front court minutes in this game defensively. And the fact that, you know, from the front court guys, John Collins had six, Capella had six, Onyeka Okongwu had nine, Gallinari had seven. This was immense work from the Raptors front court and OG was playing more of the wings in this game. And I, I thought OG did a pretty bang up job on defense as well, but it was really special stuff from Scotty Barnes when he was the low man. Now, when Scotty was on the perimeter, I thought he struggled immensely and he was part of quite a few mix-ups as far as X outs and rotations. There's quite a few, I, I think over 10 times in this game where I saw the Raptors send 
no, not on purpose, but send two guys to the same, two guys made the same rotation. Two guys end up contesting the same three-point shot that the guy just makes like a little shovel pass to the guy who's now wide open because they're over-pursuing the ball in that way. And Scotty was a part of some of those. And when he was on the perimeter, he got beat a lot. But when he was on Capella or Collins or on Yekia Kongwu, I thought he did a pretty bang-up job um, hanging around in the paint with those guys, contesting the shots there. And so Scotty deserves a lot of love for that. But Pascal, as far as being able to contest shots, you know, contend in that airspace around the rim, and also the rotations out onto guys, the switching, it was a continuation. Even though he played 57 minutes against the Heat, it was a continuation of that dominant defense that he played in the triple overtime game. Pascal, uh, I had somebody message me on Twitter. They said, get ready to use something to the effect of get ready to use the word totality to describe Pascal, because I think I've done it a few times. You know, the, the totality of Pascal's game is gobsmacking to me in some regards. And so, yeah, the totality of his performance tonight, once again, kind of leaves me on the floor. The two steals, the two blocks. Uh, the box score never, ever captures defense but it can capture the sexy parts of defense. And Pascal is giving the unglamorous, gross parts of defense, and he's giving the sexy stuff too. He's been the linchpin for the Raptors on that end. They can't do anything they want to do without him. And he's, yeah, the 25-6-4 Pascal is just phenomenal. Fred, I thought, man, he battled in this game. The three-point shooting, he comes up huge. That's kind of his thing. Four for 10 from three in this game is way more important than the other 10 shots he took, be it from mid-range and uh, a, a couple attempts at the rim. He he doesn't have his same explosion as he's had, you know, at the best parts of this season. He's clearly still dealing with that knee, but he's a warrior. Nurse obviously values his presence in the lineup. I mean, who wouldn't? He's just an immensely positive player. And he got past for that OG3 at the end of the game to kind of put the game away. I think it was 101 to 100 and OG catches in that left corner. The Hawks were really comfortable with flattening their pick and rolls with Onyeka Kongwu or hedging and kind of scrambling back into the, the hedge and recover. And it ended up on a switch and Fred had the burst to get by Onyeka Kongwu. Whether or not Onyeka had him covered at the rim if he had decided to go up for the shot, I think probably. But, you know, teams make mistakes defensively. DeAndre Hunter pinched in when maybe he shouldn't have and Fred as the point guard who struggled all night still had the chutzpah had the moxie to get downhill on a defense you know against a good defender on in Yek and you know to rotate the defense and find a guy for an open three and credit to OG for hitting that shot that was totally awesome to see and I, I did talk about this somewhat at the end of the heat well in the reaction podcast for the heat game but um, I've noticed Fred is maybe pinching in too often and in situations where there's very little reward for what he's doing. And you know what I mean? Like, this is a guy who's just done a terrific job of digging down the heavy hands, the steals, deflections. It's all a big part of his game. But on some of these, he's digging in and kind of rotating over to give help when there's not much of an upside He's just leaving his man. And we saw a couple of those plays down the stretch as well, three-pointers that were made by the Hawks. And that was also the case for, like, Gabe Vincent in the Heat game. Sometimes he doesn't have to pull off of guys. I More and more, it's becoming quite clear that Pascal or 
uh, you know, Precious Achua and Scotty Barnes in this game too. These guys are capable of contesting at the rim, especially against a team like the Hawks, who, you know, it's Kevin Herter and it's Onyeka Kongwu and it's Capella who needs to be serviced. He needs to be given the ball, you know, above the rim. And, you know, Herter is a really, really serviceable and good guard. And, you know, so is Bogdanovich, who, you know, Blake had suggested maybe the Raptors look at packaging a first and Goran Dragic for him or something like that, right? And, but they, they don't give Capella lobs above the rim. They don't get into the lane and they're not as disruptive as Trey Young. And so, yeah, the Raptors, sometimes I wish Fred had a little more recognition of how good those guys are, especially against limited front courts as well. So that's kind of an interesting little thing to keep track of. I'm not sure if, if this will be something that, you know, happens going forward, but it was something that was of note to me. I also thought it was funny that <laughs> um, Matt Devlin, obviously on the call, had remarked upon the fact that, you know, the Raptors, you know, they're using the bench quite a bit tonight. And it's just like that warped idea because everybody played 50, what, 55 plus minutes or 50 plus minutes in that triple overtime game. And I think it was mostly 55, 56, 57. And the one, I think it was Fred at 53, if I remember correctly. But anyway, um, he had mentioned like, oh, yeah, they're using the bench tonight. But you still look, Pascal, 40, nearly 41. Gary Trent Jr., 40, nearly 41. Uh, Fred, 39. And Scotty and OG both at 35, well, close to 36. That was where it was a little bit more normal. But (laughs) you still have the guys, you know, like, 40 plus is a lot of minutes and Pascal is just he's up there and uh but I thought Boucher defensively um continues to make like contests although this this was one of the nights when I talked about guys those double rotations it's tough because you don't know what they're saying to each other like you can tell on some plays where a guy points and says like that's who you're taking I'm covering to this spot. And if that guy just ignores a point and funnels down to somebody else and a shooter is left open, that's when you say you have to respect the guy pointing and directing defense because what else do you do? Because that guy's made his decision. He's saying, I need help here. You just have to go. It doesn't matter whether you want to. It doesn't matter whether you think it's the scheme or not. That is the def- that is the defensive play in action. You have to adhere to it. And Chris Boucher was coupled with a couple of the same rotation, two guys situations. And I I can't really parse out who should be doing what sometimes in the Raptors defense. Obviously, if I sit down and rewatch it, I I definitely can tell you, but this is me right after the game telling you, hey, this is what I saw. And so Boucher, Barnes, and Achua all were involved in a few of those. And so you're just kind of left to wonder like, hey, I, I don't know what's really happening here. I guess we'll see. And I honestly, I, I just hope it stops happening because with Chris Boucher, this is something we saw earlier in the season. He was involved in these kind of defensive muck-ups, but he hasn't been. Like his ex, his exouts have been pretty crisp. His rotations have been pretty crisp. And the help side defense at the rim has been pretty crisp. And the rebounding hasn't gotten to a place where the Raptors are really healthy uh, on the defensive rebounding type of stuff. But I tell you what, Chris has been pretty sharp defensively. So... This game was maybe a letdown. I'd have to rewatch everything, but I'm just putting it out there that he was involved in some, let's say, not so great defensive sequences. Uh, Precious had a really, he had one bad stretch and one good stretch. 
the good stretch was really, really great because the defense was quite tight and he, he changed quite a few shots at the rim. Precious has this ability and you saw it in this game. I believe it was on, he had one on Capella and one on, on Yeke Akongwu where you think he's dead to rights. You just think the ball is in the bucket and Precious really has an ability to change shots and continues to impress me. He had a three in that same stretch where the defense looked pretty good. He kind of got on the, the defensive glass a little bit, but obviously the Raptors, they have their starting lineup right now. They're playing small Pascal, Scotty, OG, those guys, depending on who the opposing front court is, they make up the front court. OG has played center against Kristaps Porzingis. Scotty played center against Bam Adebayo and Pascal, you know, He's played center against quite a few other teams, although typically he's playing the power forward spot because that's just the way it shakes out. But he does play center against some teams. And so those guys are going to play that way. And so Precious, with with those three healthy and with the Raptors getting a good return, there's a little bit less as far as minutes. And especially with Delano Banton and Justin Champagny getting some minutes in this one and, you know, Scotty and OG being the guys taken off the floor, the super weird big lineups that the Raptors tend to run weren't as big a factor in this game, at least not as they are as much as they are in some other games. So it was a little bit muted from both of them. Delano, two steals because, of course, he got blocked twice, but you love that he's you know active in passing lanes and then willing to attack and cut on the offensive end. And Justin Champagny, uh, offensive board, put back and had a foul where it looked like he was about to grab another one. That's his whole deal. You know, Justin Champagny, maybe some games he'll hit threes. He had the one game where he hit four, I think, and, you know, that was awesome to see. The Raptors have, you know, marched him out against some of the better offensive superstars in the NBA just because they kind of want to give other guys a rest and see how he does, like Shea, Giannis, players of that ilk, right? And so you never know what Champagny is going to be doing defensively. He's quite versatile on that end, even if it's maybe not overwhelmingly positive. But offensively, you know what you're going to get. A, a guy who is going to hover for a lot of the possession, and especially as you know the, the shot clock winds down, that is a guy who's going to be in the vicinity of the rim. And uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he, he did. In, he played less than four minutes, but he was there. He got a bucket. He got a put back, and that was kind of it for his stint. Overall, though, I thought the Raptors did a pretty good job handling the, uh, the Hawks in this game. Obviously, Bogdanovich and Herder shook loose for way too many opportunities. Is Herder going to go 9 for 12 from the field every game? Obviously not, uh, but he, he's a quality shooter. He's a quality off-ball mover, and he has, a good, like, he has a good handle. He can get to his spots on the floor. And the Raptors getting caught up in some rotational problems, that, that was costly, and that's, that's the biggest faux pas they kept committing to that game. And, you know, Gary Trent Jr. gets lost in some screen navigation stuff every once in a while, but I, I don't want to be too down on that because he had a really, really special game tonight shooting the ball. Ten, 10 for 22 doesn't really tell the story of it because on the one hand, you're getting a lot of possessions uh, that, you know, especially in that first half that the Raptors are saying, it's your possession, freestyle. And if you ask Gary Trent to freestyle, overwhelmingly you're going to get long mid-range jumpers or just jump shots in general. That is the type of shot that Steph Curry, the best shooter in the world, he he can have droughts. He has hot streaks, all that kind of stuff. So Gary 
you know, he'll give you those as he did, like a seven for 11 half and, and did a great job adjusting. But yeah, it's uh, the Raptors figured it out on a night where I bet their legs were just dead. They have to try and do it again against the Heat. The Heat, I believe, you know, they lost to the Celtics by 30. They were sitting uh, <laughs> uh, Butler, Tucker, Kyle Lowry still isn't playing. Um, he's been out for, I think, eight games in a row now. But So they're resting, guys, obviously, to kind of gear up for the Raptors game. And I guess we'll see how that goes. It, it should be interesting. But the Raptors, they played their main guys big minutes, and so they have to gear up for another, you know, presumably a slog against the Heat. But this is the position they're in, man. I guess we'll see. The Heat are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. The Raptors, they're going to go in there, try to be, try and take it to 26 and 23. You know, you got to beat good teams, especially when the Raptors, a lot of the times, I mean, you play against like the likes of the Trailblazers, the Pistons, you let those games go. The games against the good teams matter all that much more because you're not taking care of business. So, yeah, that's where we were sitting for that game, and I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, I'll be here after that game to tell you all about it. But, yeah, anyway, uh, Reggie Evans Award, I'm giving it to the dude, uh, Fred Van Vliet. Enough boards. Like, he, the work he put in driving the ball, even though a lot of the drives are fruitless, turning the offense, trying to get things going, and you could really see the fruits of his labor tonight. Like the 11 assists is just willpower um, to get into the set actions, to organize the offense, to get downhill. And like when they switch out and he busts out the dribble moves and you know he wants to take the pull-up jumper, he he wills himself downhill to try and get an open jumper off the catch for somebody else. Obviously, you're seeing that at the end of the game. It just, I think he did a great job working and like active defense even if there were some mistakes made. Um, he was always around for the rebounds. He helped hunt them down and, and get the Raptors going out in transition. So Reggie Evans Award for him. Top quick reaction comment from Luke Warm Water. Howdy, brother. Nice to see your comment. Hope it, uh, hope you're doing well. Hope things are all great over there in the Luke Warm Water uh, <laughs> side of things. Quote, Mr. Plus 30 does it again with an assortment of threes flying here, there, and everywhere. Like Maddie, pontificate, shot taker, and definitely shot maker. Steady Freddie moving in on that record of threes or more per game as he hit some big shots once again when they counted the most. My brother P-Skills said it best is Raptors D suffocating once again tonight, especially at the crucial end. Way to go, Raps, and tomorrow the return match for the heavyweight championship. Raptors versus Heat, bring it on, baby. Who knows, maybe a little more OT to chill us a little and thrill us a little, end quote. Ooh, chill us a little and thrill us a little is a really, really great turn of phrase. Big fan of that. Uh, as far as my comments on what you put down here, uh, just a, a great summary, a nice little concise, laconic summary of what the Raptors did there. And, uh, you know, some word smithing, as it were. Lukewarm water. Thanks for writing in, brother. Uh, listener, thanks for listening in. Hope you got, well, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy everyone, honestly, but whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.